0: This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting Audibletrial.com/slash Rich Sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime.
1: Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, host. Richmond Weaver.
0: This is episode 88. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever platform that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Imagery and branding oftentimes are actually overlooked, but it's some of those subtleties that are so profound. And our guest this episode, John O'Donnell, fully understands the power of a logo. The surfer dude with a paddleboard would be the inspiration for John when he founded the Johnny O. clothing brand. And that simple logo has embarked on a journey in the fashion world that no one could have predicted. Growing up in the heart of the Midwest, John would attend UCLA and would become a member of the Bruins golf team before heading back to the Midwest, working in radio and TV ad sales, eventually working with the Chicago Bulls, and would make his way back to California with the Golf Channel. John would then take the plunge into the fashion world with only a logo in mind while wanting to give his buddies more stylish options by creating preppy meets surfer dude pieces for the course, the beach, the beach the bars or even the boardroom here's episode 88 with johnny o mr john o'donnell john i can't thank you enough for letting me come out here and spend some time with you and i I greatly appreciate it just but the beauty out here in california i mean i how do you get any work done? Other though? than the traffic.
1: <laughs> yes, other we than the traffic. About. That's yeah. right. Yeah, How do you get work done? It's crazy. Well, you know what? I just had a, a, a not a typical work day, but a, a work day today that consisted of having to drive up the PCH to Malibu for our spring catalog photo shoot. And I decided to jump in the ocean, take a quick splash before the, the shoot started. And I thought, man, this is, I'm officially working. This is, <laughs> this is pretty good. <laughs> that is very good. You know? So, so I, then did you have clothes? To, I mean, you just jumped in? No, but I did, mean, I brought a, brought a suit. I knew I was going to be up on It's a beach house we're shooting at. I brought a suit and a towel and, you know. So is that just the lifestyle? You just know to prepare that way? Uh, well, not, not always. Not always, but I knew I was going to a beach house in Malibu in the middle of the day and it's sunny out and the water's been pretty good. So hadn't been in the ocean for a while, so I brought my suit and I jumped in and it was spectacular.
0: Refreshing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, a lifestyle. It's now, pretty good. Yeah, I know.
1: I know you're from the Midwest, right? Do you miss the Midwest? Yeah, sure. I miss a lot about the Midwest, um, but I get back there a lot, so um, I get I, I get enough of it. And mostly, I miss the people. You know, my best grade school and high school buddies, and but I've got family back there. I still see them a lot, so um, I get my fix. You know, I go back probably three times a year, so it's not like you know, I get I get my yeah enough my to my get fix. the taste. I, yeah, exactly. Um so it's it's it's
0: all good. So when you think about the family and friends that you have in the Midwest, I want you to go back even a little bit further now just when growing up in the O'Donnell house. Yeah. What did it look like in terms of how sports became integrated into your household yeah. and just how you well, gravitated it's, towards uh, sports?
1: 7 kids all in a yeah. Mom That's and crazy dad, in itself, right, right there. Obviously, and all and mom and dad and all the seven kids were in a ten-year block. So it was, boom, boom, boom. Um, we all played sports. My dad liked sports, but you know he was, he was. By the time we got to be kids that were playing sports, he was golf and tennis for the most part. But he did some boxing back in college and played some baseball as a kid and a little bit of ice hockey. But. Um, Sports has always been huge for me. I have two brothers. I was always the sports guy. My brother Bill was a different sports guy in that he'd spend more time, you know, bird hunting or fishing or
0: a with outdoor, the land. Type yeah.
1: Thing. But I was more football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, boom, boom. And then my brother Chris, Chris was right in between us where he was kind of a little bit of both. But I was, um, I'd, yeah, I've been in sports like crazed my whole life. And played. what was your first passion? Then? Um, you know, I got introduced to golf at a young age, which has gone on to be my passion by far. Because it also you can play as you get older. But um, I really got into when I started playing basketball and football. I know it's only fourth grade, but you know what? Back in Chicago, we played more basketball in the winter. It was crazy. We'd play outdoor in the sleep, just just to play was was amazing. Uh, played in grade school, played football up through grade school, and then as you talked about going to walk on at Clemson when I got to high school I was about you know five foot four hundred and twelve pounds and that was the end of my uh football career and uh and so I you know picked up the golf club more religiously and played all through high school and um competed and just loved it and always have and what did you love about golf then so much? Um, maybe it's it an was individual sport. it was an individual sport um maybe it was my opportunity to prove myself to me you know, I, I felt like it was hard because I felt like team sports had had passed me by, and I was pretty bummed out because I was um, very involved in team sports. I think I lost a lot of self-confidence there my freshman year of high school. All the all the other guys started to grow and mature, and I kind of stayed in this puppy dog <laughs> phase. And I thought, oh man! But um, so I think golf gave me an avenue to continue to compete in sports, but I didn't have to you know, be as big and strong as as everyone else and um and I started to play relatively well and yeah, did so you pick
0: it up pretty fast? I picked did it, it up fairly didn't come quick natural
1: to you I should yeah, say. I think so and you know, I um I started at a young age, which you always hear people say if you can start golf at a young age it can really help because I have brothers and sisters. My younger brother plays a lot, he's a good player. My older brother and my sisters don't really play, but my dad and mom had him on the lesson tee. When they were kids, and they can still to this day stand up, put a tee in the ground, and grip it and make a really athletic pass at the ball, so you can tell that early training definitely helped. It's not, you know, and they're not split <laughs> gripping it. and, <laughs> You know what I mean? Actually, it's a little bit
0: like riding a bike. At right, least they Can understand bit, the a little bit. So it's um. Aspect yeah, of it. kept
1: me kept kept my um kept me
0: in a competitive environment. And when you talk about competitive. How was the O'Donnell family? You know, were you it was
1: competitive. Yeah, it was... We, we were really competitive. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because we have four girls and three boys. So it's not like we were competing so much at sports. We were probably competing more for, you know, the car keys when we got into our <laughs> teenagers because we had one station wagon <laughs> for seven kids. We competed for control of the television in the living room. Um, we competed for... You know the last uh cookie in the cupboard or whatever it might and so who be. would end up winning the most? you know the girls kind of dominated our family <laughs> i'm not gonna I'm not gonna kid myself. And why is that? <laughs> well, they were the oldest, the three oldest were girls, and we kind of have a pretty they, the females kind of they kind of ruled through us. they it were started with, the house. it started with mom, yeah mom she set the tone and and we kind of fell in line. So. And was she a, a strict person? Yeah, she was pretty. Pretty. She still is. She's she's set in her ways. And my dad was um, an Irishman, just kind of fun-loving and not a lot of combat or conflict, and just keep the peace. So they made him a great pair because dad was working all the time. Mom, she ran the household and. You better follow your orders. You better fall in line. So there was competition, but it was a different competition. <laughs> it's not like it was five brothers competing out on the basketball court or something. So
0: from there in high school and you, you start developing this true passion for golf and mm-hmm. you start excelling mm-hmm. so what's the pathway from there did you have these aspirations of playing yeah
1: you know but, but i i was i was good but i was never that good so it's not like oh i you know i want to go be a pro golfer i mean I'm sure you dream but that i just I, I always felt like i didn't have that much confidence I, I i was good i competed and i played in high school and won some events and things but and then I went to college, and I tried to walk. I went to UCLA, and I tried to walk on my freshman year, and I didn't make it. And I tried to walk on my sophomore year, and I didn't make it. My junior year, I had joined the Sigma house, so I figured golf could kind of <laughs> take, take a breather for a year. And then senior year, I went back, and I said, you know, I'm going to give another shot, and I actually made it, which was really cool. But I was, um, for those long times, I, I called myself the ML car of the team. I did a lot of you know, waving the flag. I you know, I, I I knew I wasn't nearly as good as the guys, but I made it. I brought a UCLA golf bag home to Chicago that summer and I thought I was. Yeah. How much pride did you have it was cool. carrying that? It bag? was cool. It was cool. Yeah. You know, granted I was probably playing number thirteen on a fourteen man squad, but it doesn't it matter. matter. It didn't matter. It was it was all legit and five rounds and I made it and and it was great, but I played with those guys, and I wasn't even near their caliber. I've actually started to play better post college and later on in my adult life, you know. So I'm running into some of them now that I'm competing with in amateur events, and it's kind of fun. Oh, so now you're playing amateur events? Oh yeah, today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's so, fun because I just was with. Um, God, it was last year. I played in a in a in a U.S. Mid-Am qualifier, and I was in a playoff, and it was against a guy who I played with at UCLA who was in the top five on the national championship team. And, you know, so I was playing with him, and it kind of felt good because before I couldn't even, you know, near him, you and competing now, again and granted he got me in him. the playoff, but, you know, I was right there with him. And I was like, you know, you used to be about 30 by me in college. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed. But he's still a great player, so. So
0: what do we? what has helped you then in terms of, your golf game getting better over the years just more time on the course um, or
1: yeah more time on the course learning the game um you know like anything else if you're really passionate about something you find a way to either figure it out or get better i think and i just um I've, i've worked hard at it and studied it and read about it and tried to emulate the good players and and was never afraid to compete competing always makes you better um and once you start getting a little confidence in the game, I think, you know, you can, I'm still, you know, no expert, but I enjoy it.
0: At UCLA, though, when you don't make the team, and you talked about confidence earlier, and you felt that your self-confidence might have waned a little bit. Yeah, it,
1: at UCLA, it didn't affect my confidence you. in the golf game, because I, I, I never really expected, I knew the program was much bigger than I was, and you know, if I was going to play college golf, it would be back in Chicago at, you know, DePaul or something. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be at UCLA. So I knew I was shooting for the stars. So if I didn't make it, it wasn't like, how can I not make the UCLA golf team? I mean, I understood it very easily. It's a, but you
0: had the perseverance to keep going back. I did.
1: I did. I did. I tried three times. And then I actually tried to, uh, to go back for a fifth year and make it. And uh, I ended up missing it. And uh, I shot, just ran into a guy last week. And he goes, you know, I was a guy that Clipped you by a shot back in '87. I was like, "What? (laughs) How the hell hell do you remember?" Isn't that funny? That is. I was like, "Thanks for the memory." Yeah, Um, thanks for bringing that up. But it was it was a great lesson. And what about hole in one? How many? Have you had five? Five. I just had a fun one though because I went to Ireland for the first time in my life. Okay, you gotta give me the back story on this. you know, at, at my age and being a, with a name like O'Donnell and being a. Avid golfer that I had never been to Ireland. People were like, "You got to be kidding me! That's crazy! You never been to Ireland?" Well, we set up a trip with me, one of my brothers, three of my brother-in-laws, and six, seven of my nephews, and we did five days in Ireland. And in the second round, playing with one of my brother-in-laws and two of my nephews, it was at Royal Portrush, where the British Open is next year. And on the third hole, I think it was, I, I knocked an eight iron in and I was like, that was pretty neat. <laughs> neat? I mean, well, I mean, oh, home I ones are cool, say. but I, I mean, I've I never had one. So they're, they're, yeah, yeah. Well, some people are home on junkies. Like, I, I mean, I, it's fun. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. But it was the special part was not just having the home one, but in that environment in Ireland, having never been with two of my nephews that had never seen or witnessed a in one one of my brother-in-laws, who's been a brother-in-law for thirty, or with my sister for thirty-five years. So I mean, it was a really special moment. Oh, you had family there. Family, you know. Right. So toasting the, the 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 you know the home a with a with a pint of Guinness after the round, I, it's like this is a pretty cool home yeah. Now, did you have to buy a round for everybody? You should say that because in the bus ride before we even started our first round, I said, "Listen, how about we do five hundred dollars a man." for anybody who gets a hole-in-one and it was really just kind of off the cuff and everyone's like yeah yeah man i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm like great so and then everyone kind of forgot about it and sure enough i knock it in and i'm like what about that five and people like whoa yeah i don't know did we ever agree on that i'm like that was horseshit you know Exactly. they still owe me but, um, are you going to
0: collect? That's the okay. question. Never. Yeah, of course. Never, never. Oh. But it what was an great. experience. It was an man.
1: amazing experience. It was. And what are some me. of the other favorite courses you've played? Well, there's so many. I mean, my favorite course is a little par 66. It has closed now, shut down. It used to back up to our summer home in Michigan. It was called West Shore Golf Club in Douglas, Michigan. And it was where I really grew up learning how to play. Late in the day after the beach, I'd go out the back yard to the par 66 and knock it around but it bank foreclosed on it and it got away but um you know i've played a ton of great golf courses and i i, I don't have a favorite i mean you've got inland courses that are amazing you've got coastal courses that are amazing there's some courses just from the memories that they bring back put it in the favorite category um but the course silver in ireland were amazing royal port rush was amazing i've had the chance to play you know cypress point which is amazing course in chicago called shore acres which is amazing i've never played um a few that are still on the hot list but yeah do you um, have a bucket list you know i hey i'd love to still see oakmont out in pittsburgh um what else crystal downs is that the one up in michigan i think that would be a great one to see you know there's some stuff in australia that could be kind of cool but you know i've been so lucky and played so much that if i didn't see a golf course it's not going to how did you get,
0: though, from Chicago
1: to Los UCLA? Angeles. How did you That's decide random. That was to random. Well here. we um Back in Chicago in the early 70s, my dad was working for CBS radio, and he was transferred out here to run the CBS television affiliate, or not affiliate, the all, owned and operated CBS television station out here. For, and then after two years, they said, we want you back in Chicago at your radio job. He launched the all-news radio station in Chicago back in the mid-late 60s. And so we came out here. My parents called it a two-year vacation. There were seven kids, all under the age of ten, enrolled five of us. enrolled five of us at Saint Paul the Apostle. I was in first. Bill was in second. Libby was in fourth. Sally was in fifth. Julia was in sixth. And everyone at this school was like, "Who are these freaks? <laughs> <laughs> Who <laughs> are know? these O'Donnell kids? Who are right? these <laughs> freaks?" So we lived um, across we outside our backyard. There was kind of a view of UCLA. And once in a while, I'd get over there and, you know, as a first or second grader, noodle around or go to the UCLA Mardi Gras was the carnival. And I always kind of had an affinity for their team uniforms and just the school I thought just was cool. And it came time to apply for colleges. And I applied to five random schools around the country and somehow got into UCLA. I'm convinced I'm the last, as I say, the last B-minus student to get accepted (laughs) to UCLA. Um, and I got in and, and rejected from other places and weightless. I said, I guess I'm going to UCLA. Going to UCLA. And came out here and didn't know a soul. Knew one buddy from when I was here as a an eight year old and hadn't seen him in ten years. And he picked me up ten years later at the airport and there you go.
0: And did you enjoy that not knowing anybody? Yeah, this was. the opportunity it was, of it kind was, of starting over, uh, so to speak.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I was um it was exciting, but I was I dev- you asked me before do you miss Chicago I said I, I definitely missed it then I was I was a young kid I was whatever, 18 yeah, that's a long way from home I was 18 and I was a young 18 and, and I'm out there going oh, what is this but it turned out to be a great experience of mo- uh, meeting people from a different part of the country it was cool now Johnny O just didn't Happen. Thank you you for
0: recognizing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as a lot of people think that, oh wow, look at the success that John O'Donnell's have with Johnny O. Yeah. So, let's talk about. You graduate from UCLA. Yeah.
1: What's your pathway? I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I went from UCLA straight to Madison, Wisconsin. My dad had bought a radio station in Madison, and I spent five years selling radio advertising time in Madison, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was an amazing experience overall. Well, Just now like, I've heard
0: Madison's a great place Madison's to go. Madison's an
1: amazing town. I recommend it to anyone. I love it. Um, I miss Madison. Um, and I sold radio. And I was selling radio at a startup, smaller FM radio station. And, you know, I was the owner's son. And it was like, who is this snot-nosed kid trying to sell me advertising? So I had to, you know, break down a lot of barriers. But, I, it proved to be a successful and, and great five years. And then that took me to, back to Chicago to work for the Chicago Bulls and Chicago White Sox Radio Network, WMAQ. I grew up a Chicago Bulls fan uh, there was Michael go. Jordan. Well, I was there in, in Michael's years selling radio time and Bulls sponsorships. So I was just telling this story to someone a couple of days ago. This guy's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go see LeBron. I it's my bucket list to see Kobe and LeBron. I was like, you know what? It's incredible to think, you know, it was my job to take customers to Bulls games, and I probably saw Michael play fifty times or more. And I remember thinking to myself on some random cold Tuesday night in February, like, "Shit, I got to go! I got to go to another Bulls game." <laughs>
0: you didn't want to go, did you? <laughs> no.
1: And so I was sold the radio, and then Fox Sports. I went to work for them in the television, selling the regional sports networks for two years, and then. That was in Chicago. And then what brought me back out to L.A. in late 97 was the Golf Channel uh, called me and said, we've got this startup. And, and so this is when the Golf Channel was just starting? It just had been getting underway, yeah. It had been maybe a year old, and they said, we need a ad sales rep in L.A. Or, yeah, we need an ad sales rep. I said, this is great. I'd love to do it. Golf and yeah, Golf seems like Channel Tiger fit, right? was just coming on the scene. I was like, this is really cool. They said, but we need you in L.A. So I came back to L.A. and worked at the Golf Channel for probably two and a half years. And it was great. Um, But again, it was selling advertising. You know, people think, oh, God, the Golf Channel. Yeah, like I'm teeing it up every day or something. It's like, no, I'm selling cable television to advertising buyers and I have zero ratings. So it's not what it's all cracked up to be. But it was a great learning experience and the network's done amazing things. So it was a fun time to be there. And then I got hired at a, at a financial printing company, which was kind of random. But I had a buddy that managed. Yeah, why did you
0: go down that path? Well, away? I had a
1: buddy who managed one of the offices, and you know, I was a single guy, and it paid pretty good, and, and you know, gave you the expense account and some freedoms, and and but it wasn't my my deal. But I kind of walked in my sleep for about six or seven years and tried to do what I could. Um, and I did okay. Were you just on autopilot? Yeah, I mean, I didn't break any records there, but I did my part and earned my keep. And it was there that I bumped into the idea for, for Johnny O. And Okay, so, hey, now when you say bumped into the idea, well, well it what does was, that mean? Well, I, a, a pal of mine, it's a funny story, a pal of mine has a beach house down in Florida, and he was, he uses the house for photo shoots. And he was making t-shirts and hats to promote his beach house, and I thought, gosh, a surf logo on more kind of classic preppy clothes, you know, a Polo Ralph Lauren meets, you know, Quicksilver, that could be kind of a cool deal. I said, you know, there's a lot of East Coast preppy brands, and they're all fish and horses and dogs and birds and everything, and I thought, what if we came up with a really cool, iconic Southern California logo? that being surf but instead of you know putting it on you know billabong clothes or which has already been spoken for why don't I kind of marry it with you know more of the classic traditional stuff you know we've got polos and button downs and and now it's just become a whole different different animal it's it's you know it's over 60 full-time employees and and over I think we're in up over about 1200 shops around the country and it's become like this real thing, You're very real, which is crazy. So. I wear it all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> I appreciate
0: right. it. Going back to this again, this whole bumping into this yeah. idea and yeah. just the creation, because again, it well, it just was the vision
1: that you had. Was there a the one,
0: one particular moment you said, all "Right, this is it. Yeah, yes, I want to start this." It was
1: with my buddy Sully, and I was like, "Sully, damn it, let's do this." And he said, "No, oh, geez, Johnny, oh, you." Give it a shot, man. And so it was, was your nickname Johnny O? Yeah, you know, yeah. and and but then I wasn't gonna name it Johnny O. I came up with a list of about four or five names. I remember literally calling my brother, or emailing him or something, and saying, "Okay, these are the five names I got." Okay, I gave him like these random names. And he's Do you like, remember any of them? No. One was <laughs> like, um, I don't know what it was, like you know, Jughead or or half dog or whatever <laughs> and he's like no dude he's like you got to call Johnny O and I'm like yeah, I don't know if I'm in the name of something after me you know he goes no the reason you need to and it was sound advice he said because then when you go out and talk to people about it or if you go raise money they'll know that it is in fact you that's doing this and you're not going out to try to raise money or something for Joe Blow and so I it's was like you know what you. that made sense and so called it Johnny O and. Touched up and secured the logo, and started screwing around with some polo shirts. And there was that combination of this logo and some shirts, and dropping them into some golf shops. That people like this is different. I like this, you know. And then, so I was able to kind of moonlight at that last job, and mornings and nights, start to work on Johnny O a little in my second bedroom, and I started to sense that like there's something. There's something as I say, I know I, I knew the fish I know when the fish were biting and when they're just being nice and I'm like, the fish are biting here. I mean, it was like crazy that, you know, I'd give a buddy a shirt and he'd go back to New York and he'd say, Well, twenty buddies of mine want one of these yeah, things. They
0: said something about it. Yeah.
1: So it was really like, Wow, there's some magic in this thing. There's something going on here. And so after about two and a half years, I went all in and, you know, raised some friends and family money and was just very conservative and um just i used that money very cautiously and wisely and didn't try to didn't try to go too fast too fast and i think as a result it's a we didn't run out of money so i didn't go out of business (laughs) and b i think it's given us some really you know deep roots to to what we're doing you know it's not this i don't think it's had this it's growing fast for sure, but it hasn't been like this thing that like the whole world all of a sudden knows about and it's been this meteoric growth that can just, you know, crash as fast as it's gone up. I think we've had a nice like this and and so I you're think building it's, a solid foundation. Yeah, and I think it's got I think it's got some, some deep roots and as they say, long legs to it and I think it'll go now, on. Now were you a surfer? A or are you a surfer? No, I've done I did some um, funny enough a little bit of windsurfing back in the day on lake michigan um certainly i've done some stand-up paddle but i'd call that stand-up canoeing <laughs> um and i've you know I've, I've surfed maybe a half a dozen times so i can't no way i call myself a surfer no way well then how's it's my then, dirty little secret how well, did the logo how did it come well about? because the logo has to you have to come up with you know what would be an iconic southern california logo You know what am I going to do? The Hollywood sign, or or, you know, a a movie star, or you know, the Walk of Fame, or you know, a camera because it's the home of movies or celebrities. But this this whole beach culture and the Beach Boys and there there's something to that, you know. And now, did you have this vision and then you wrote it down? The the logo itself? How? No, my buddy that I was referring to earlier had Sully had a logo that was a surf inspired logo. I said, Sully, this is perfect. What we'll do is we'll marry this logo. With. He said, Jesus, you're nuts, but <laughs> but go for it, go for it. I said, all right, well, are you sure? And I begged him, and I begged him, and um, and he said, you know what, give it a shot. And so I came up with what I thought would be a real iconic surf logo, and that with the guy, the board next to him, and, and looking out. And I just started poking around. And I think it was the marriage of the logo coupled again, not with typical surf gear, but marrying it more with like, wow, this is just a basic polo shirt. So the conservative classic guy felt comfortable in the garment, but this mark gave him a little something. I was about to ask you, you know, how I mean? much
0: impact do you think the logo had oh, on- Oh, huge. He versus was, just the shirt
1: itself. Oh god, the logo was Yeah, most I think of that's it. what set it in motion for sure. For sure, I take no credit for coming up with this like incredible polo shirt. I mean, I was buying blanks from like, you know, wholesale businesses and stitching on the logo, and had some Johnny o labels made up and had them stitch the label in there, and had this you know, hundred percent cotton. It was a not even a it was a shitty shirt i mean it really was and people today still laugh about it because i'd give it to people and um we'll
0: just call that your prototype it
1: was there you go there you go so we've come a long way but it is it's it was the mark and i think the um the mark and how it fit in with all these other brands and how it was differentiated and was able to kind of stick out like, you know, horse, fish, fish, dog, bird. It's that little surf guy over there. It's a person. You know what I mean? A person. A little different. Person, exactly. So it's um yeah, it was definitely the How mark. many people told you, you're crazy as hell? Um not really a lot because A I never took this massive I didn't have like a wife and kids. I didn't take a massive financial risk. So it's not like I was mortgaging my home, and the kids' education was on the line, and I was taking every nickel I had. Um, I know when I raised that money from friends and family, they were peeling off checks going, have fun. (laughs) You know, I don't plan on seeing any of this It's gone. Yeah. And you know what? Go have fun. Tap me on the head. So I think everyone was just like, you know, this is a total long shot, but... They, I think, believed in me and, and thought and could sense some of this magic in this initial polo shirt. They, now, how old were you? Oh, at I was, the time. Do I really have to tell you that? Yeah, I you was, uh I was
0: 40 at the time. Okay. So, w- do you think you were this midlife crisis type thing, trying no, to figure out? I, I, know, I don't there, think I want to so. do something different. The reason?
1: Different. No, my midlife crisis has probably hit me more now than than then. I don't think it was. I want to do something different. My dad always told me, "Hey, if you have the chance to do something for yourself, go for it." But this wasn't like this. Is this was? I'm gonna give this a, a. But I kept my real job while I my toe in the water here, and I thought, you know, I I I really think there's something there. I just I just felt like there was some magic, and and so I gave it a whirl. But I wasn't, you know betting the farm or risking the farm I was able to do it in a fairly low risk way both from time again I didn't have a wife and and kids so there was not a huge risk involved so I'm not going to say oh yeah man I like eating ramen and (laughs) you know I mean I have a big family and you know it was fine. I still but you had to
0: have some point where you finally made the decision. Yeah. That, okay. And now I'm going
1: all in. For sure. Johnny O. Well, yeah.
0: What was that?
1: That moment? was um, that moment was a little interesting because I didn't have for the first time in my working career you know a paycheck coming in from a corporation, and so I paid myself out of money I raised you know from that friends and family raise, but I mean I paid myself tiny because I was like. I don't need a lot of money right now. I don't want to run out of money. And I'm gonna put it towards the stuff we really need. So I wasn't a pig, you know, and I wasn't trying to take down the apparel industry like like overnight. I just was like, just keep plotting. And then I was fortunate to, to hire a gal who's still with me today after nine or 10 years, 10 years, um, who's our COO, who really, you know, Probably I wouldn't. We wouldn't be here if it, you know it wasn't for her because she was able to take care of all that that shit work that I was just like. You didn't I don't want to look at like insurance <laughs> forms and tax forms and and she was able to do that. So I was able to go out and. And then tell were the you story. just going across the country yeah, telling yeah, the story? I started, it was. I mean, that's why you say like people think it just showed up overnight. Not at all. I mean, I did. I, I must have done a couple hundred trunk shows at people's homes and. In grade school, gymnasiums, at the you know the holiday boutiques, and you know that was taken uh, taken one for the team when you know your buddies' wives are you know buying a t shirt or a polo from you, and they're big in my buddy investment banker buddies are Johnny O selling you some t shirts, honey, and it's like yeah, I get it, you know. So I I took my lumps, yes, but you did. I never <laughs> never lost sight of of what I thought. Um, what did they could. give you drive to keep going? Yeah. Did that motivate oh, yeah. You? yeah, definitely. It definitely did. I thought, I'll show you yeah. uh, my little T-shirt company. <laughs> I'll show you. Um, and so, yeah, it did. You know, I was like, I want to, damn it, I want to make, because I had never, you know, and I'm still trying to make something happen, but, you know, I was never much of a career guy. I did fine at work, but I never had massive ambition to be the, the richest guy on the street or the best investment banker or the best wealth manager or the... Biggest attorney, I just, I don't know. I, I was pretty content, just, just being Johnny O and making a good living, and you know. But now that I have a little boy, they, you know, some new things to. It's a little different. It's a little different, yeah. What
0: challenges do you see now versus the challenges that you had when you first started? I mean, I, as um, it gets bigger, I mean, yeah, Now you know, you're a leader of a company. Can you say that?
1: And, yeah. You know, the good news is, is. I'm the leader of the company, but I also have other leaders that are amazing. You met Dave. Dave's been with us four years. He's our CEO, and he's you know the real deal. And you know, Katie, who I mentioned earlier, she's our COO. We've got one of the best product guys in the country, Chris Knott, who used to, who founded Peter Malone. Oh yes, yes, yeah. He's now our head of product. So, I mean, I'm sitting here going. So oh, how that? did
0: you convince these people to come over? To That's a good question.
1: Um, we, Katie, I got early. She was looking for an opportunity to get into a startup apparel company on the ground floor. And um, Dave, you know, Dave took a leap with us because he had been the CEO of some big companies. And he took a leap of faith. And, you know, we, we gave, put some skin in the game for him. And, you know, so there's some, some carrots out there for him. But he took a, a leap of faith for sure. And I think if you asked him he'd probably I think he'd probably say it was a it was a it was a you know good move. I think he's enjoyed it and, and there's still a big runway out there that we all see. So um and we have a great work environment. Um Chris we were able to get, you know, he sold Peter Millar and he stayed on with them for about four years and then he wanted to get back into the workflow and do what he does best. And, you know, I think he always, he'd tell you how to admire our brand and what we were doing. And so this was a perfect fit for him because he loved what we were doing. The infrastructure was already set. We just needed him to come in and, oh, make great product. <laughs> <laughs> just Pawns one, the just one small bit. thing missing. We need great product. But <laughs> we did have a good uh, product guy before, Chris, but now we've got like a really... A serious, serious expert. Now, are you concerned, though, that uh, as you're expanding that, that you don't get too, yeah. too much? Good questions. If that makes sense. Good questions. Um, yeah, because I talk about that all the time is it's, you know, people love brands are, that are kind of in that stealth, undercover, boutique, discovery type. And, and so how do you maintain that, but start to kind of ring the cash register? You know, there's always this race, and it, I think it comes from the whole banker mentality in Wall Street towns. get bigger, 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 bigger. Yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> we're growing 45% a year. What else do you want? <laughs> and, and you know, now we're starting to get into some department stores, and, you know, you, you want to, again, ring the cash register and grow the brand, build the brand. But you also want to try to maintain that, that certain level of, of cachet where it's still... A boutique type brand instead of a mass kind of oh you sold out you sold out it's like well what are we supposed to do just stop selling product I mean you know if people keep buying it you know but we are um, you know we pay attention to where where we sell our product there's no doubt about it yeah you definitely do it's we do it's It's not just in the masses it's select stores I can tell yeah and we're um, we don't you know it's priced higher it's certainly not a you know old navy pricing but it's not like we're trying to get 150 for a t-shirt like some of these cool cool guy brands do so it's
0: but now what about also balancing it or people coming to you and saying all right yeah you need to be in footwear you need to be doing other things as well yeah
1: yeah there's there's a lot of product categories that we can still jump into footwear's one of them we're start we're quote-unquote dipping our toe in next spring with a couple of um shoes and flip-flops um you know the women's business is a something that we get a lot of requests for when are you going to do johnny o women's and and you know what we will do that eventually but we want to make sure that we get better and stay on course with the men and the boys and and the women will the women will come
0: now why do you think also johnny o just has this natural integration into sports well and how Golfers
1: love it. You know, Other well, sports people Well, first of all, I, I started it. selling it in golf shops, and that's because I knew those are the only guys I knew, golf pros that ran shops. Those are the only people I knew that had retail stores. I didn't know anything about retail. So it was like... Joe Blow at Joe Blow Country Club. where you take 48 of my polos? And, sure, John, bring them in. Bring them in. <laughs> so he sells them. So we started at what some people in the company today call the, the most difficult channel of all these upscale green grass, you know, country club pro shops. Um, but these were there were a lot of friends of mine that got us in there. And then as far as the sports go, I've just I've just through contacts and friends and relationships I've made with just some really great. Um, professional athletes and and you know there's been no paid sponsorships of any sort but it's like it's amazing to see the people that are wearing it just because they like it over the years it's been unbelievable it's crazy
0: and it's, it's got to like, make you at some days do you wake up and look in the mirror almost and say is this for
1: real uh, yeah but th- at the same time I also don't lose sight that it's not like you know I'm Phil Knight, and I've got you know, <laughs> Carl Lewis wearing my gear. Yeah, um, but you started this out but of yeah, nothing. Yeah, no, but it, you know, and you're nice to say that. it is cool. Yeah, and it, at times it is. It's I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. It's got traction. I'm, I'm, I'm most excited that I think it'll really it'll go on and on and on, long past me. I really believe that. Yeah, so that. you're building a and legacy. I believe that. And my little boy Jack one day will, you know, maybe say to his son, my granny, you know, that was. I was grandpa. That's I right. really believe it's going to go on. I think it has that 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 brand strength. And so that's kind of cool.
0: Now do you think you convince them that yeah that you are
1: the guy on the logo? That's me holding you the, know, the paddle maybe board. back <laughs> in college but <laughs> not, not anymore. Um, uh, but you know, it's 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 fun to to see it grow and to see people enjoy it, yeah. you know. Now what do you think you'd be doing if you never would have started Johnny O? that is a really damn good question and i have no idea (laughs) because i just couldn't stand the 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 corporate just ah yeah this wasn't you no and just doing stuff that i wasn't interested in i mean you know clearly selling and, and building um a brand through marketing and creative and copywriting and visuals and trying to think outside the box as they say. I mean that that's really what's ultimately driven me. It's you know, the clothes have just been kind of the vehicle. You know, I've I've never known anything. I didn't know the difference between a, a PK and a and a jersey polo. You're not a fashion guy. You know what I right? mean? No. But I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about apparel. I've learned a lot about investment banking when we've done different fundraisers with you know, we've done three or four rounds of fundraising and I've I've learned a lot of business in this whole endeavor because, you know, I'm on our board and I listen in and I get involved and we raising money on value and, and things like that. But I spent a lot of time, you know, as I said, I was up at the photo shoot, you yeah. know, this afternoon. Like, I want to make sure these visuals represent what we're trying to, you know, Yeah, you're still touching things, a right? Lot. Yeah. yeah. And I write a lot. and. I stay intimately, intimately involved in...
0: And I would imagine you've got to know a lot
1: about people as well. Oh, yeah. As you're (laughs) 60 employees or whatever it is Yeah, and it's funny because as, as you get more employees, more of this, like I remember when we had, you know, three employees, six employees, eight employees, and we'd be in an office this big, and it was like everyone knew what everyone was doing, all that stuff, now we're up over 60, and, you know, I never knew anything about office politics, and not that we have much office politics, but all of a sudden now with what's going on in the workplace these days, it's like stuff starts to, you know, stuff's hitting Dave's desk that never hit my <laughs> desk, and I may not even find out about it, and it's not like it's bad, but it's yeah. like, It's stuff that bigger companies deal with. And I'm like, whoa, You mean, you've got to talk to this person about life stuff. Talking like that to another employee? Whoa, (laughs) I've heard about that. (laughs) You know? So it's, um, it's real life stuff. But that's why we got him in here. Now, what about when you look at everything, what do you think the
0: influence of sports has been for you and what you're doing now? How... Sports has impacted this drive that you have, yeah. this competition,
1: this motivation that you well, have. Well, sports definitely it it sets up a competitive nature. Um, I think golf, in particular, there's there's it's a, such a humbling game. I mean, it just can I curse it just bitch slaps you. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just bitch slaps and, you, and you know, and especially when you think you're getting better, right? And so it's 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 um, you know sports not only being competitive but staying the course, trying to keep your head down, you know, um, and and driving towards something. Um, I think staying humble, you know, in sports was always where I came from. Never was really I don't think showboating, and so I think that's kind of. Um, Carried over into the development of Johnny O, where, you know, I I don't need to be on the front cover of the Johnny O catalog, and I could certainly demand that, but <laughs> I don't want sales to go down. <laughs> um, so I think you know a certain humility and, and um, appreciation for being able to you know as they say be in the arena of of combat and and and. Competition, you know, is is yeah. Is, that, other is that
0: competition that keeps you going? Is that yeah, it does. And it's not day? like
1: so much competition. Like I'm, dry, I'm dying to, you know, kick that brand's ass. It's not so much that. It's more competition from within. Like I want to, you know, I feel like I have something to prove to myself that, um, that that you know, and I isn't can, that golf? Well, is that inner competition oh, gosh, against yourself yeah. in golf, exactly. right? That's exactly right. Yeah, I never it, really equated it that way, but yeah, I've got, I want to prove to myself that I can compete with this guy or that guy or that guy and that I can I can qualify for this event and I can run through the tape and get it done, you know? So and mentally that
0: you can compete almost against yourself that right. I can take this moment yeah. and hit a good
1: shot. Exactly. In that yeah. moment where you need to deliver and um and so I'm um, I'm driven by that. And I'm driven by trying to see this through and, and you know, make it a, a company that I can be proud of. Not just that, hey, I'm seeing so many people wear your stuff, but that we, you know, we have given to a ton of charities. I mean, a ton of charities. And we've given to, you know, Boys and Girls Clubs and, and First Tees and grade schools and organizations and probably more than my investors would, would like. I just, I've always had a (laughs) tough time saying no to charities. It's like this, you know, but you know, that's kind of, that's great. And, and I had an employee once say to me, he goes, you know, thank you for, you know, I don't think you realize, but like, you know, you got 60 families here that are, that are insurance and, you know, helping us put our kids through school and food on the table. And not that I'm personally doing it, but that, We've created something that has um, allowed us to employ people for them to make a living and send the kids to school and put food on the table and, you know, provide some insurance and some, you know, everyone at our company has some some options in Johnny-O, so a little a, a piece of the action, some bigger than others, of course, but I mean, that's kind of cool. You know, there aren't a lot of companies that do that, but... I hope that means something to these guys. I think it does. I would imagine it does. And that's what
0: it it's more than just a logo. Yeah. It's bigger than that now from that perspective. It is. And so that's that's important to me. Now what about any other words of wisdom that has Um, meant a lot to you that you would like to share?
1: Well, I would say a couple would be number one, definitely I think the time is now that you know, I have a lot of people approaching me now about, oh, you know, it's my friend from Chicago, and his daughter now is graduating from college, and she wants to start a women's apparel line, or she wants to do this, or she wants to do that. Can she get some advice from you? And I'm like, I can't believe I'm giving advice. <laughs> You're that but, guy But now. here goes. Um, I tell people, you know, um, not that this is, like, earth-shattering advice, but, you know, give it a shot if you can. Um, I think in today's world where we have, you know, you can buy a box of business cards for about 12 bucks, <laughs> you know, you can build a website for probably a couple thousand bucks or less, you know, you can trademark a, a logo and a name, and you can find ways to make or build or buy or garments to, you know, you can, you can be in business pretty quick. You know, it's not like you got to go get some big fat office and have a huge t- employees and, and you, you don't have to have the brick and mortar store. And it's like, you know what, this Internet thing has given people and social media an incredible opportunity that if you've got an idea that can cut through, it can find its way. So, I, you know, words of wisdom is I tell people, you know, give it a shot. And that's important. I remember when my dad told me, as I told you before, he's like, you know, if you can do something for yourself or on your own, I mean, that's a luxury. It's hard to do. But if you can do that, that can be a great, a great deal. Um, and then just um, keeping things in perspective. My dad always told me to keep things in perspective. And, you know, as this company grows and, you know, I'm not going to kid you. I'm like, wow, you know, we're doing this in sales and now we're going to raise money and you know we're talking about the company having this kind of value and if I own this much of the company whoa you know <laughs> and now all of a sudden I find myself like but you know nothing's materialized yet but I'm just saying yeah and you find yourself once in a while like yeah I want to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it's like you know what just chill out and I make a good wage and I'm healthy and I got a great kid and 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 we've got a cool brand and we've got a great work environment and i was a photo shoot on a wednesday afternoon swimming in the ocean and you got to get in the ocean exactly <laughs> <I> mean, well, <laughs> just appreciate the here and now so, right <laughs> you know that's my point keeping it in perspective is is really really important and uh really important and then gratitude that's that's i think the uh gratitude for what you have is is really really key to me i think
0: well Gratitude is big for me as well. And that's why, Johnny O, thank you so much yeah, for man. letting me steal some of your time. I know I took way too much of your time. Not but at all. Thank you so this much. Is easy.
1: This is easy to talk about me.
0: <laughs> Iconic images seem to stand the test of time. And while we might not ever truly understand why certain images evoke these various feelings, we know for sure that there is this connection and the power is real. There's also the power of taking a chance as John did with the Johnny O brand. And it's his ability of keeping things in perspective with active patience and hard work that has enabled him to build more than just a brand, but to build a legacy. Now that finishes episode 88. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at RichTakesports. Thanks for listening.